Hello everybody, and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 125 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cana Rinse Volume 3, and our next five issues are Portal, then Metro Last Light, following that the start of a series about Criterion's arcade racers Burnout, covering the first two in the series, Burnout and Burnout 2, Point of Impact. Then we conclude our six-issue Mario blowout with the new Super Mario Brothers series all crammed into one show. And then we return to the world of blue and orange portals for the sequel, Portal 2. You can head to com even for the full schedule and, of course, the blog and links to our forum, our merchandise stall, Facebook, Google+, Twitter and YouTube. And as always, please subscribe, review and rate us on the iTunes. Now, joining me, Leon Cluckbooms Cox, in this issue, we have Darren Goombeetles Gargett. I'm happy now. <laughs> He's happy, and as I'm sure is Joshua Gringills Garrity. Gringills. Hello there, Gringills. I don't. Well, I don't even know what a Gringill is. I mean, from the game, it's in the game somewhere. It's in Super I Mario assume Galaxy. it's some kind of fish. Yeah, I don't know. bound to be. And green, he smiles. He does. He grin a lot. Ah, uh, smiley fish. But how does that separate it from a one of the other fish that have always been in <laughs> Super Mario? Anyway, Super Mario Galaxy. Here we are. Uh, the first Super Mario Galaxy game. So this is the fifth of our six podcasts about the core Mario series. Um, hopefully it won't be the end of our Mario discussions because there are certain other games that we won't have covered by the time this run ends, but that's for the future. Uh, this game came, uh, what, some four or five years after Super Mario Sunshine that we talked about a month ago. Released in most of the world in November 2007, although it arrived slightly later in early 2008 in some territories, uh, such as South Korea, where, fact, the game is known as Super Mario Wii. Yeah. Uh, so this was, as we did, talked about before, this was now Yoshiaki Koizumi's second Super Mario game following his debut uh Baptism of Fire with Super Mario Sunshine. Um, Miyamoto was a producer on this, uh, as was Takao Shimizu. Now, uh, our histories with this game. I'm going to guess that Darren Gargett bought this the minute it came out, or possibly sooner. Um, it's a bit of a hazy memory on this one, because I, I know I didn't import it, because I knew the release dates weren't you know, majorly different. So, I, even though I didn't have a PAL Wii at the time, I knew at least 10 other people that did that weren't playing them because they're all underneath their TV units collecting dust. So I said, can I just borrow your Wii? I'm going to play Mario Galaxy when it comes out. And then like two days later, I had absolutely destroyed Mario Galaxy and gave the Wii back. Um, luckily though, with the Wii U being PAL, I haven't imported a Wii U, uh, I managed to save my, I managed to get my save file back from that Wii. It was still yeah. on there and uh, yeah, carried on. But yeah, I, I totally destroyed this game when it came out over here. Yeah, it was, it's quite weird not importing a Mario game. Like I got, I got so used to importing mm. Nintendo stuff, but as Nintendo got more common sense behind their uh, releases, you know, um, I saw less. Um, you know, it was less necessary for me to go to America land and buy it from there. Yes, this came out mere days after the Japanese version, I believe, and of course, uh, as was mostly standard for Wii U games, certainly for first-party stuff, it was uh, built in with a 50-60Hz option. If you had your Wii set to 60Hz, you would get to play the full-speed, mm. full-screen experience as enjoyed by our NTSC 
cousins, so that was no longer an issue. Obviously, as we said before, Super Mario Sunshine was the first uh, PAL game with a 60 hertz option, but uh, from this moment forth, it, we never probably, hopefully, need to think about anything like that ever again, mm. uh, other than when going back. Uh, Josh, what about yourself? You would have been, I know, sorry for always saying this, but uh, you are that <laughs> bit younger than us, so you'd have been... Uh, a, a mere teenager when Super Mario Galaxy one yes, came out. Yes, uh, seventeen. Yeah, that would have been. Oh, right. And I didn't have a Wii when uh, Super Mario Galaxy came out. Mm. I came to it a year after everyone else, um, and I didn't rush through it like a lot of people. I know you two probably caned and rinsed oh, it absolutely uh, yeah. quite quickly, but. Um, I took my time with Mario Galaxy. I kind of chipped away at it over a, like a six month period. Not because I was struggling with it or anything like that, but for whatever reason, it would hold my interest for a, a while and I'd like complete loads of levels in a quick stint and then just leave it for ages and ages and ages and <laughs> then come back to it. Um, which may sound weird when I actually start talking about my opinion on this game, um, that it took me so long to complete it. But yeah, that's my history of that game. Yeah, interesting. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing with the Green Stars in Super Mario Galaxy 2, which we'll talk about later. Um, very, very similar sort of thing. Um, and in fact, my, my friend Pete, who's, you know, a big Mario fan, but not somebody who tends to complete games, is still on his first playthrough of Super Mario Galaxy. You know, he just plays, he just collects a star whenever he feels like it. And, mm. you know, he loves the game. He loves Mario, but he just, he just takes it at this incredibly slow pace. Whereas, my history with the game was, uh, this was when I tended still mainly to buy things from the shops in 2007. Uh, probably went down to, I don't know where, probably game in Brighton when there were an umpteen choices to buy video games from in Brighton. Um, bought it, rushed home, played it pretty much at the expense of anything else, uh, including eating, sleeping, uh, going out for the next two or three weeks until I'd completed it twice, not, not just the once through with Mario but all the way through with both Mario and Luigi and had collected all 242 power stars. Uh, and I still have my save game, uh, both on my, my Wii U and backed up to an SD card. Um, yeah, and I consider it one of my finest gaming accomplishments. Not because it's, you know, it's not the hardest thing ever, but there are moments. It has its moments. Mm. Luigi's purple coins. Um, but yeah, it's very, very rare. Uh, it, it's not rare that a Nintendo first party game comes out and I absolutely, I play it at the expense of nothing else for a fortnight until it's done. That's quite normal. What isn't normal is to immediately want to start playing it through again with, with barely different, you know, you play as Luigi, it's very slightly different. Um, um, but I was just absolutely determined to get all 242 <laughs> stars. So this game uh, ended up selling almost 12 million copies, 11.72 million, which uh, which I think is uh, is pretty healthy. Um, I can't remember what we said Super Mario 64 sold. It was a lot more than that. I think mm. it was nearer 20. But uh, obviously, after Sunshine, it was this was a this was a big leap forward. Obviously, the Wii had done a lot better. Uh, now we don't always talk about review scores because it's not really what we're doing. But I think it's relevant here. Um, just to say that according to Game Rankings, which is a pure aggregator, unlike Metacritic, which uses uh, weights and measures to balance out its scores based on how important it decides certain outlets to be, which is, you know, you could argue it's a bit arbitrary or or maybe it's the best way of doing it. I don't know. But Game Rankings simply averages review scores. 
and Super Mario Galaxy is their highest rated game of all time on their entire database of any game with 97.64% from 78 reviews. At number two is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and then at number three is Super Mario Galaxy 2 with 97.35% from 56 reviews. So it's fair to say that these games were quite well received critically. Now, this game sort of was born out of Super Mario 128 again, I believe. Mm. Yeah, the the kind of the Monopoly board sphere that they're all running around on, it definitely had that gravity. It, they never explained it explicitly in the tech demo, but you could tell that they were running around some sort of sphere. And uh, yeah, that, that was definitely where um, Galaxy was first conceived in its very micro game design element, I guess. Yeah, so because we mentioned Super Mario One to Eight in uh, in relation to Sunshine, because that because the Super Mario One to Eight dates back to two thousand. Um, it was mm. you know, it was shown at Nintendo Space World when that was a thing, and um, so I guess Koizumi and his team were still looking at getting some of those ideas that were uh, born out of the you know the GameCube's superior processing power compared to the N sixty four. Um, but then maybe some of the ideas just, you know, either got left by the wayside for Sunshine or weren't possible um, in on the cube with Sunshine without, you know, sacrificing graphics and performance and things. But the Wii's extra power, although, you know, it's widely regarded as an underpowered machine because it existed at the same time as the PS3 and the 360, uh, it was a bit more powerful than the GameCube. Mm. And, and it did, you know, it did allow for... Yeah, there's no way looking at Super Mario Galaxy that those games could have run on the GameCube. It's just, oh. there's, it's just smooth and lush and solid, and mm. you know, I mean, we went back to Sunshine, and obviously we had some mixed feelings about some of the graphical elements. But overall, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like technically an, a, a bad graphic. You know, the, the game had some decent, you know, pretty areas and things like that. But Galaxy is is on a whole other level. Uh, we'll come back to the graphics a little bit. Mm. I just wanted to also say that um, for those people who played, bought, played, enjoyed uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, uh, it's yeah. a game I would very much like to, to do a cane and rinse on at some point. Because it's basically the same team, isn't it? It is the Super Mario Galaxy mm. team, Koizumi is director. Um, now, this is a game I've never completed, though I've owned it since day one. I've still <laughs> got my bongos. Yeah. I've played quite a bit of it, and I really like it. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 wanted, I wanted to do a cane and rinse on it as much as anything to give me an excuse to to play it. I must admit, I never really saw the point in the the Wii version, you know, new play oh, yeah. control re-release, which mm. removed bongo control <laughs> option, kind of. Um, but I'm sure this is a game that you played, Darren, at least. Yeah, yeah. And uh, playing Galaxy, for, you know, both first and recently, uh, you can just see the um, the what's it called? jungle beat influence that, that game because mm. yeah, there's moments where Donkey Kong's like swimming through jelly that's just in midair and it's you know because it's a 2D platformer yeah it's quite it's quite easy to navigate and they do that in Galaxy you know they they literally take it out of jungle beat and put it in a uh, in Galaxy I believe there are certain enemy types that actually even made their debut in Donkey Kong or very similar uh, in Jungle Beat so. Um, let's start with the observatory, the hub. Um, I don't think we need to talk too much about the plot and the story. And although, if people want to talk about um, Rosalina and her Loomers, you know, I'm, I'm I'm open to that because I do think actually that wraparound stuff is quite sweet. Um, it certainly um, appealed to me infinitely more than the 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 story and the and the animations that we got for Sunshine. Um, it seemed like a, a a step in the right direction, a direction away from badly voiced um cartoon bowser and creepy bowser mm. 
kids and it, it turned it into something more for me it felt more magical more fairy taley more appropriate to mario yeah it definitely felt more like yeah like a mushroom kingdom thing rather than you know definitely an island which is kind of the point of sunshine i guess but this definitely yeah. felt like you know back to your roots you know bowser's gonna kidnap peach again but you know that's fine that you know everyone slags it off but really it's kind of what we expect and kind of love and yeah, just the whole setup of them having a little fair. Is it? It's like a little fair at the start, isn't it? Like a little fun fair. Isn't it? It's all a f- millenn- some sort of millennial festival type yeah, of right. uh, where the where the all the star bits are firing down from space. It just yeah. and it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Like even mm. on a yeah. you know on a HD TV running in sort of you know sort of HD 480p is it or 480i? It just even it just looks incredible and just the, the vibe it has at the start. For, for both Galaxy games, actually, I, I really enjoy the, even though they're very different introductions, I, I mm. enjoy them. Nintendo are often compared to Disney, and, you know, I think that's a worthwhile comparison. But I think more than any other game they've released, Galaxy 1, more than Galaxy 2, in fact, feels like a Disney product. Mm. Just the way they, with Rosalina and all the looms and, and just the general presentation of the game, it does feel like a Disney fairy tale in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I really love the aesthetic in this game, especially in the observatory. Um, you do feel like having the spe- you know, the outer space in the background and stuff like that, just the infinite possibilities of yeah, the yeah. world you're going to explore. Mm. Just, and having this be the base where you're going to be launched off to all these different places. It had a really good tone, a really good atmosphere. It's the one thing, although I think by and large I kind of prefer Galaxy 2, it's the one thing that I think Galaxy 1 has over 2 is just this general atmosphere, like magical atmosphere that it builds right from the word go. Yeah, I also like the fact that like, the observatory is kind of like, it's low on power at the start, like there's areas that are pitch black and the little mm. loomers are saying, you know, you can't come here yet because you've run out of a, uh, you know, you need more power and you're like, how do you get more power? Mm. Well, you get the power stars. And I think it's the first time a Mario game's actually had a reason for the stars being called power stars. I mean, sure, in Mario 64, you get a power star and therefore you're probably more powerful to defeat Bowser, but, but there's no real visual tell no, as to right. why the power was going anywhere. Here, it's like a literal battery power that's powering, um, you know, a, a giant observatory. And I guess, yeah. I guess it's the same for the sequel with the, uh, the face ship. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of like them contextualizing something that's just been Taken for granted that Mario games. It's it's just enough story for a Mario mm. game. Mar- uh, Mario Galaxy One has. Ma- I think Mario Galaxy Two, to an extent, kind of cuts down on story quite a bit. There's enough there to go. All oh, these characters are nice, and this world is really lovely, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it realised that this is a Mario game, and people are here for the crazy levels and the crazy crazy level mm. design. I, th- mm. I, I do think the craziness of the observatory and the levels themselves how do, does lend itself to confusion on the um the wider audience for the on the Wii because I I, yeah. I bought this game for Christmas for my girlfriend's sister she was uh, young, mm. obviously younger at the time that's how time works but she must have been about fifteen and we put it on and that she just couldn't grasp the concept of a hub. Uh, you know, she, they, they were just expecting a level select kind of screen, which I guess is what <laughs> Galaxy Two is. But Absolutely. actually seeing someone who's she's quite good at games you know she plays a sim she's played games before but to see them navigating 
uh, like the, the each little sphere in the level and ha- press A to jump up towards the level select screen in the observatory. It was mm. just that it was a little bit too much and I can sort of see why Nintendo scaled it back a little bit. Yeah, they certainly did. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, again in relation to Galaxy 2. But mm. I mean, from my point of view, as a, as a gamer, somebody who uh, had played 64 before it and we talked about how much we loved Peach's Castle in 64, mm. how it felt like a you know some sort of real place, albeit in a surreal, cartoonish world that you could explore. The hub, the observatory hub in Galaxy, um, although very different, it's all these sort of uh, branches and spires and teleport lifts and things like that, and and it's it's not explorable in quite the same way, but it does have secrets and things to discover. And I actually found. By later in the game, as it's it's fully powered up and the music's built, the hub music actually is embellished as as the game goes on. Mm. Um, I found actually just because of again the sublime control of of Mario moving him around mm. that it became a joy in itself. Actually, just being in the hub, just going from one place to the other, and I really missed that in Galaxy Two. Mm. It's one of those. I went back to it recently with this podcast. Now I, I played it to death. I played it played it for over sixty hours at the time and did everything on it. And it took me a few minutes to, after a few years, to actually remember. It's not even apparent which order the levels are in. Mm. It's just here's a yeah. load of stuff all over the place. Now, if you've been playing it, it's fine because you remember that that was the first one you unlocked, and in there there are some levels, and you have to go up there. But yeah, it, I think it probably, yeah, it probably was a bit overly much for for some, even even perhaps compared to. Super Mario 64, which had, you know, had an, a real world logic to it. Go through door, mm. go through, you know, go through magical painting, such a classic traditional idea that that sort of, but go to the, you know, go to this place, click on all the, all the, all the mini hubs for the levels look different as well, which mm. I, again, I think it looks really nice in, and I'm sure it looked fantastic on paper, but again, in, in the game, there's nothing to tell you that this funny little building that looks a bit like <laughs> a, a, a greenhouse is, an earlier level than this one that mm. looks like a you know some sort of tower um, and then once you get in there as you say you have to press a to sort of connect to the sling star which is a or type well it's not really a sling star in there but it's that same mechanic isn't it uh-huh. and this is all new stuff you know pointing at things on the screen and um, using uh, using the a button to actually be dragged around in space this is not this is Mario this is not this is not traditional Mario stuff and yeah it, it probably did seem overwhelming to some but to me it felt you know just the just so much fresher and more mm. and more right than the flood ever had in sunshine um to me and um and playing it now you know you, you quite a lot of the sort of challenges of the game to do them really well are based around using some of the uh things like the gravity the the sling stars actually to their maximum um, and you've got some real sort of, you know, almost physics puzzling in, in the middle of this Mario game, as well as your, your basic Mario controls. Mm. But yes, talking about those those visuals, um, I, I must admit, going back, booting up, uh, it's not it's not like I've never loaded it up in, in, in the last uh, seven years, nearly, since the game came out, six, six and a half years. But, you know, it's been sporadic. Um, now, not only, obviously, we were already into... Uh, higher resolution graphics at that point we were used to playing games in at least you know sort of 720p and through HDMI and whatever and Super Mario was I was playing it through a component cable at 480 
Um, and, you know, you can tell immediately that it was of a lower resolution, but it just didn't matter. It, you yeah. know, it's just the lighting, the art, the, the animation in that game is just incredible. The, 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 the enemy animation stuff. But I was worried that going back to it now, after another few years with, you know, now I've got a, a, a PC that's, that's quite powerful and a PS4 and an Xbox One. I was thinking, oh, it's, it's going to look really disappointing, isn't it? And it didn't at all. It was no. like, of course, it looks slightly lower resolution. It's exactly the same. But I was just still immediately in that world, just, you know, going from planet to planet, going, oh, yeah, that one, that one. The, you know, the camera swings around to give you the best view. And you're flying towards a camera and you're flying through circles of star bits. Mm. And, and there's a volcano exploding in the background. <laughs> and it still looks absolutely amazing. Combination yeah. of direction and camera and... um yeah, color, lighting, art style, and all that. And I'm not. Don't get me wrong. If they released a Wii U version with slight, you know, with higher resolution graphics and some of the lighting and stuff that is in 3D World, which I thought looked gorgeous as well, I would buy it in a heartbeat. But it's to me the game still looks just gorgeous. Just some of the imagination that's gone into some of the levels in in both these games is just utterly incredible, and it just overrides any kind of like negativity that you could feel towards the resolution or anything mm. like that. Just because, I, even then, when you know stuff like Bioshock and uh, and the Mass Effect was coming out, mm. they weren't showing us things that you know the the type of things that Galaxy was showing us. There's and, and I. Just, I still think, apart from the Mario series itself with 3D World, I, I, st- I still don't think there are many games out there that have de- delivered the kind of um, the visuals that that uh, that both Galaxy One and Two managed to deliver us. I think you know, as well as a strong art direction, I think this game really benefits from just the sheer weight and chunkiness that everything has. Everything yeah, feels totally, tangible. Yeah. Everything feels real. Like when a power star is floating in midair it looks like you could grab it it looks so firm it looks so reachable yeah Yeah. it looks so good and uh when you're tiny and you see these giant goombas in front of you and it looks to me just like oh just absolutely stunning like the amount of times i've stared at my tv just like oh my god i've forgotten how good this game actually looks and uh yeah yeah, it it, it genuinely makes me go oh like that and even (laughs) now even seven years later it makes me gasp and not many games can do that. Yeah, it, it, it was exactly the next thing I was going to mention, just the feeling of um, solidity. And there are so many genuine wow moments, um, you know, with using the gravity when when you're on a sphere and you're, you're, you know, you're actually going on the underside of things. And as I say, moments like when you're blasting off into space and it shows you everything and there's just... But it is, like, chiefly the thing that convinces so much is the it feels so solid like Mario 64 at the time kind of had a similar effect but when you go back to Mario 64 now it can feel a little bit wobbly and shaky and Mm. you've got 2D uh, sprites masquerading as 3D objects (laughs) and that sort of thing and that's become more more obvious and it may be that one day we'll look at Galaxy and you know in another five ten years and we'll go yeah okay it's starting to show its age now um but, you know, Sunshine, similarly, like a lot of the problems we had with that game were relating to things like the camera and the kind of, you know, the the, the, the twi- twitchiness and the glitchiness of it and the fact that things didn't always feel real and solid. But Galaxy doesn't have a single moment when, for me, when that that was the case. It's just utter, even, and I think that's even more remarkable when you consider that a lot of the situations you find yourself in because of the incredibly wide array of ideas um, for 
gameplay platforming sections in this. Some of them are so completely abstract mm. yeah. and impossible that the, the, the galaxy setting allows for the designers to kind of go to town. Mm. But it's still more believable than the more realistic Mario games. If It handles that the camera is... Isn't even a qu- it's not even a question in my mind. Like that's never a problem. No, no, I, I never yeah. even think about it. And that, that's you know that's the best thing you can say about a camera is that you never think about it. But yeah. like I've never thought about the camera in Galaxy One or Two, and I've never thought about how it implements all its gameplay ideas and how it looks. It just it just flows. It just moves. It just it. You're in complete control of Mario, and um and it just looks superb. And the camera just moves behind him. It moves exactly where you would move it as the, mm. you know, as the, as the director. And I just think, yeah, just, it's really hard not to sound really hyperbolic, but it yeah. really is spot on, you know? I, I think one of the things that impresses me the most is that this game is as visually imaginative as it is. So much is going on in the background, yet you never lose track of Mario. You never, because there are so many platforms, like, um, Miss Splosion Man is a great example where there's mm. so much going on in the background and you lose track of the character. You don't know where she is and you go, Oh God, she's over there. I don't, but with Mario Galaxy, you never lose track of Mario. He's always exactly where you think he is. And, um, whenever you fall down, it's your fault and you know exactly what you did wrong. I think that's impressive that they managed to, balance the you know the splendor of the visuals while also remembering that this is a game and that stuff has to support the levels that they created yeah uh, on, on what des said um absolutely we we do try to avoid hyperbole on cana rinse um but with a game that has an average review score of 98 percent from almost 80 reviews it's you know, we all, we're, we're all here to talk about it because we love the game. And, and although we try to avoid hyperbole, it's important that what we say is heartfelt as well. And if this is our, you know, our natural, what we try to avoid doing is, is kind of ranking things, you know, saying this is the best this or this is, you know, the perfect that or whatever. We, it, we don't always succeed, but we try. Um, but with, with some games that are, you know, just seem to do everything they want to set out to do, it's obviously going to be hard for us to not sound, um, like we're hugely enthusiastic because, uh, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's deserved. And as I say, I prefer, uh, the whole thing about Kane and Rinse is to celebrate video games, not to, not to bring them down. And, and if there's one that demands celebration, then, then go for it, I say. Uh, another thing, I already mentioned it briefly in passing for the Observatory Hub, but one of the first things that struck me about this game and still continues to do is the soundtrack, mm. uh, which is not only one of my favourite Mario soundtracks, it's one of my favourite video game soundtracks of all time. And it's, uh, the story goes that when they were first working on the, on the, the audio, so obviously some of the tunes are there in there from Koji Kondo, um, but, uh, Mahito, uh, sorry, Mahito Yokota is probably, I think it's probably the main composer. Um, and it was him who, uh, he variously, uh, pitched styles to Miyamoto. Um, and it sounds like originally they were going to go for more traditional Mario instruments, your, your steel, mm. your steel drums and, and congas, Latin American style stuff. Um, but it didn't, uh, it, it didn't fit the game. Um, and, uh, it was rejected, basically. Um, so it was more in the cute, the traditional cute Mario style. So, um, 
Yokata back to the drawing board and tried uh, some of these tunes in different arrangements, uh, music, uh, sort of pop style, and uh, also an orchestral style, um, which ended up being chosen. And indeed, the the Mario Galaxy Orchestra, whoever they actually are, I don't know. Um, indeed, it's a full it's a full symphonic suite. Mm. Uh, played by a real orchestra, and uh, I mean, not every tra- not every track is is uh, is orchestrated. Some of them, like the um, the B level ones, are, are very much more kind of I don't know what you call it, but they're 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 less less strings and brass and more jaunty. But um, overall, just so many astonishing pieces, I think, um, for the different galaxies, and some nice retro nods as well mm. to the older Koji Kondo tunes. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, Gusty Garden Galaxy oh, is amazing. a yeah. really popular one. It's probably my favourite piece of music in the game as well. But I, I'm really glad that they went for the orchestral mm. sweeping score because I I just don't think, you know, the score they have in Super Mario 3D World and and 64. I just don't think it suits the epic scale of mm. Mario Galaxy because. You know, it's the galaxy, it's mm-hmm. the stars, it's the universe. You need to give that weight, and I think the orchestra does um, in a way that the more cutesy instruments wouldn't, mm. and um, I'm glad they made that choice. There's some uh, really nice touches with the audio. <clears throat> These musical notes that appear on the level that you have to collect within the time frame of them being on the level, when you collect them in order, it kind of plays a retro song at you or something a bit yeah. different, and just... Not only is it a good challenge to collect all the notes before the time runs out, but you're rewarded with the song that you recognise. And I just think mm. that's such a little stroke of genius. Like, as, as soon as you run into it, you're like, you're like, oh, hello, what's this? And then you <laughs> keep, keep, keep picking up, you're like, oh, this is just incredible. I, I didn't actually know it wasn't, uh, you know, a Koji Kondo exclusive um, thing. I, you, would, you, no. you couldn't tell, like, because the, the, just the pure quality of it, you just think, ah, oh, it's Koji Kondo again. But apparently not. No, Mahito Yokata. Well, um, yeah, no, I'm sure you know the influence from Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey, and then obviously Star Wars. Uh, that that those films were perhaps as responsible as anything for us associating grand orchestral music with space, with sci-fi. Um, and I, I think that's there certainly. Like when the you know Bowser's fleet arrives, and it it, it does sound, it sounds like something from the cross between John Williams from Star Wars and Holst's The Planets, which is obviously an influence on on John Williams. Um and it actually again, you know, you you've I'm not I I think there was a certain amount of um sort of grandiose grandiosity to when the the, the airships arrived in Super Mario Brothers three. But this again, just having the full orchestra playing just kind of br- brings it up, raises it to a heightens it to an epic level. But it's not just the music either that I love sound-wise. I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of the familiar uh, Charles Martinet vocals and and familiar sound effects, but a lot of the noises that are specific to this game, the kind of ethereal um, noise of the... uh, Just the noise of holding on to the level select thing, that... (laughs) Even that just has a sort of suggestion to it that something exciting is about to happen and the the general sort of... Just sort of... Bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep, bloop. Mm -hmm. I think I think it plays a lot of um, sound effects, almost you know spot on for for what's going on on screen. Like picking up the star bits has its own noise, and it, yeah. it's really easy to just sort of forget that these noises are happening. But the reason mm. why you don't 
point them out is because they're working, you know, seamlessly. Like, you pick up a star bit, you hear the sort of the whiz of a star bit coming towards you. You, you, you waggle to do your extra jump and that has its own sound. And all, mm. the, all these sounds combined together, like, they, they just all sort of, sort of synergize, I guess. And you, you, you know exactly what's going on with Mario at any one time because of the sound effects as well as the visuals. We should talk about the controls next because, you know, the whole thing about the Wii controls were a lot of, you know, a lot of what some people who never got on with the console used to say, well, the, you know, this is not familiar, this is not comfortable. Um, you can only control this game. There is only, you can't use a, a classic controller. This game is built around holding a nunchuck in your left hand and a Wii remote in your right hand. And you need to both uh, move the remote in a waggling gesture. Yes, it's that word waggle. Um, and you also need to keep the pointer on screen to both, uh, collect certain things and also to, you can interact with the game by, yeah, you can stun enemies. It actually becomes an incredibly useful skill. Mm. Um, now, I never had a problem with this ever. Um, yeah. I, I think for the game, just as with some of the other Nintendo first party games on the system, it's, it works just fine for me. And I actually enjoy a game where I'm not just sitting there in that familiar position with my thumbs about four inches apart. You know, you can, you, you, you're doing something different mm. with your hands and, and that in, in itself gives you a different experience, a different sensation. And I find, I still find, after playing probably 120 hours of both games put together and still playing them now, that I still enjoy waving my pointer over Starbits to pick them up. It, I yeah. still enjoy that. Now, I saw you, Darren, saying uh, when you were first coming back to this for the podcast that you weren't particularly looking forward to playing with that control set anymore. Oh, I, I've, I've had such an ordeal with these Wii remotes recently. Like They're, all, they're always <laughs> running out of battery, right? And that's, that's, that's my fault. I should get better batteries. I know that. But every time I turn it on, it goes bling, mm. bling, blink, blink, batteries. You're like, oh, God. And then the sensor bar almost certainly falls off the top of the TV for me. And I know these things are all my fault. And I, I yeah, could, this is your I could all, I, I could sort my own problems out. But I just think... Oh, come on, man. Just this one time, I'd like to use a classic controller. Just once, please. Because I'm, really? my sofa's a bit too far away from the sensor bar. Again, it's got a long lead, so I could pull it forward. But mm. then I lose connection with the Wii Remote. And, like, I don't hate the Wii Remote. I think it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's revolutionary, as the prototype console was called. It was a revolution. And I do think it's, it's a work of genius. And it gets people to play games that normally wouldn't play games. Like, you know, just, it's a, it's a tennis racket. Play it. Yeah, it's great. But mm -hmm. sometimes when I play Metroid Prime Trilogy, sometimes when I played that, I just thought, Oh, come on. I just, I, I've got, I've got a dodgy wrist. I broke it snowboarding and it hurts to keep it in that position all the time as well. So th okay. there's that going on as well. I, I get a lot of cramps. It, it, sometimes it numbs up. Sometimes I just wish I could just. And it got me to thinking about if they did a Wii U version, how they'd translate mm. the controls yeah. across. Because that is an issue. Because playing Mario Galaxy One and Two on the Wii U is not only is it a bit of a chore for me with the Wii, uh, Wii Remote and the Nunchuck, but you also have to go into the Wii menu. So you have, kind of have to go through two layers of systems and stuff. It's, it's true. It's it's yeah. it's just a little bit too much of an ordeal for me, and I, I think I'm being really picky about it. And you know, it hasn't stopped me from getting another seventy odd stars in each of the games. You know, it's it's definitely right. a, a fine control system, but. I don't know. Like, I reckon they could remake these games and have, instead of it being a, you know, a pointer on the screen, you could just sort of maybe just touch the screen where the star bits are, maybe. I, I don't know, but. Oh, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Not, I think no. that would be a lot less immediate. You see, I, if they ever do HD versions of, of these two games, I kind of hope they just use the Wiimote because, um, yeah. 
unlike you, Darren, I, I when when people na- nail Wii controls, mm. when they understand the limitations of the system and they know what they're working with, I love using the Wii controller, and and Galaxy's a, a great example. Um, it never feels overused, but when it is used, it feels really nice. I like shaking the controller to make Mario go higher. Yeah, so do it's I. a very satisfying motion, and just all the other stuff, like with when you hold on to the dandelion flower and you shake the controller to make it go up higher and stuff like that, and and uh, controlling the you know the monkey ball bit parts of the game where you're on the ball and you're moving the it's uh, with uh, moving the ball with the Wii mode. Yeah, holding like it vertically. I mean, I was going to mention that separately, but that's it's relevant to this absolutely. Yeah. There, there are mini games in this where you are kind of almost controlling the game yeah. differently, mm-hmm. and that there's, there's no other control system that could really allow that. Yeah, no, you're right. They certainly did more, I would say, with the specific, unique controls of the Wii. Uh, with Galaxy than they did with say 3D Land, uh, three sorry 3D World on the Wii U, which barely really uses the hmm. gamepad in too many meaningful ways that I can recall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of prodding and the yeah, odd thing here and there, but much. it's not it's not integral, is it? Um, yeah, I, it, worth mentioning briefly. Uh, you just touched on it there. The optional second player, which um, you know, uh, apart from turn taking turns stuff um, and the original pre-Super Mario Brothers coin-op. Um, this was uh, a, the start of something, I suppose, in terms of co-oping Mario. Mm. Um, it came up recently because uh, my partner's sister has been playing Galaxy for quite a while now. I think she just, you know, plays it when she gets time. She's uh, she's keen on the Mario stuff, but she's not like, you know, not a hardcore game or anything. Um, but she likes it and she's been playing it. She was playing it with her daughter, my, my niece-in-law, such as she is, uh, who's four. Now, um, I don't think, I'm not even sure they were aware of this mode, so I've, I've you know, tried to uh, put them in touch with it to see if that's one way of playing it. But uh, just out of interest... Um, my 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 niece, as I say, who's four, she uh, was playing Super Mario Galaxy and um, you know having uh, having a good time, you know, enjoying it, understanding, getting it, what was going on, and all that, um, seemingly managing the controls and stuff. But it was a moment where uh, the floor disappeared from under her, and she got sucked into the kind of vortex in the center, because mm. obviously that replaces falling off the bottom of the screen in many of the game's areas. Um, that really freaked her out. That whole, cause, uh, and I can sort of understand why a four year old might find that kind of nightmarish. The floor disappearing under your feet and getting, and Mario kind of makes quite a distressing, <laughs> you know, Wah! as he gets, yeah, sort of, um, v- vacuumed into oblivion. Um, and it, it's quite a drawn out process as well. It's not like he just sort of, in other Mario games, 2D ones as well, like, he sort of just falls off the screen. Uh, you know, Mario 64, he has a bit more of a traumatic death with the drowning and stuff. But here it kind of like, he swells around it a few times, you know? And yeah, there's yeah. just enough time for you to take it all in. And I imagine as a, as a, you know, as a toddler, that that would mm. pretty much, yeah, destroy your brain. Cause yeah. this game's so cute. It's so, inoffensive yeah. it's so lovely to look at and then all of a sudden he's just getting sucked into oblivion yeah it's, it is pretty yeah. crazy and I, every, the first time i saw that on screen like the big black hole in the middle of a level i was like that's pretty that's pretty amazing but also at the same time pretty scary and then mm. bowser's sort of silhouette sort of encloses the whole screen yeah it's a yeah it's, it's definitely a, a sharp uh, direction in time uh now 
game balance wise, uh, we we talked about, we talked about the the, the fundamental uh, control scheme, but um, in terms of feel, I think we probably uh, well for me it feels somewhere between like 64 and sunshine in terms of responsiveness like he's not as skittish as he was in sunshine no. uh mario he feels more sure of himself mm. more certain on his feet there's very little kind of um agonized recalibration and tottering on the edge of of platforms but he's not quite as sort of you know understandably so as as occasionally spongy as he was back in the n64 days but as i say that's me talking about the pal version which may which may be relevant um for me the actual control of mario from uh, you know the 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 crouch jump the the backflip and all that is absolutely spot on just um there's occasional very occasional moment of frustration where his spin jump which is ostensibly powered by uh, a little luma dude uh there's obviously reasons why it has to be recharged gameplay reasons mm. because otherwise you could basically glitch the game to completion by endlessly spinning but there are moments where Mario's spin needs to recharge and, and you might take a hit because you're waggling too early. But that's, again, that's really, that's player error. But overall, I love controlling Mario in this and Luigi in mm. this game. It kind of suits the visuals. Like the, the way Mario runs around in a circle, that's kind of like my first test of Mario games in 3D. How does he, how does he handle a circle? Whereas mm. in Sunshine, he could sort of turn almost immediately in any direction. It was a little bit too much, you know. You, you, you could fall off ledges that you didn't really mean to fall off, like we, uh, like we said. But in Galaxy, he kind of has a proper turning circle. And it reminded me, weirdly, of playing the later GTA games with Nico and, um, you know, the three from GTA 5. They actually feel okay. like people. They, they've kind of got a weight to their movement. They've kind of got a bit of inertia to when they run. They're not going to turn immediately in a in an impossible direction they kind of have to turn around into it and that kind of feels a bit sort of bit rubbish for a mario game because you kind of want agility but it works it works here and it suits how how rounded they are how you know how solid they are it kind of just it kind of all works together and like long jumping from bit to bit like um especially when you've got the the cloud power up like you kind of feel like a a bit of a genius when you work out that you could long jump from one ledge to another and kind of miss out a whole section uh, yeah, the, the game is designed for you to both, you know, jump across it normally with the A button, but it's also designed for you to manipulate all these other moves that you don't have to use. But if you do, you will find shortcuts and it will reward you for it. So we talked about the health meter. Now, this is something I think people might sort of not necessarily consider how important the amount of health you have and the amount of hits you can take is to the Mario experience. And of course, back in the day the games we covered earlier you could take one hit unless you were uh, super um, but Mario 64 gave you a number of hits mm. Sunshine mix, mixed it up again and often you'll see as with, was the case with Galaxy that in pre-release videos in early footage the number of health points you get will be different to the final version so in Galaxy's case there's an early video uh, promo from 2073 I think showing eight you you could have had eight hits which would have changed the game enormously Mm. Mm -hmm. it would have uh, I mean obviously you can't say the exact same game with eight hits per Mario would have been just very easy by and large I mean you still could have fallen off levels obviously but um, 
they would have designed, presumably designed levels differently, had more enemies or, or whatever to potentially take hits off you. But the solution they settled on, apart from if you get a certain particular new power-up, which doubles your your health slices, you have three hits. Mm. Um, and again, to me, it's just with with the design of, of the levels that they, they made, it's just absolutely spot on. You never feel like you're super safe when you've got three or you, you know you can build back up to three. You feel like you can try stuff out. But you know that any one hit, you're down to two. And then if you're down to two, only one hit and you're down to one. And suddenly you're one hit away from death. Mm. And I know it, it sounds really simple. And that's you know, a really obvious way of describing it. But it again, for me, just they obviously tested what works and, and settled on the on the correct answer from my point of view. Mm. Yeah, it's the, it's the classic Nintendo number three is the magic number. You know, three is the magic number. And... Like you say, it kind of puts the tension on as soon as you get hit because you kind of want a perfect circle at all times. You know, you kind of want it to be full. And with Mario 64, you jump in water, you get your health back. It's completely overpowered. In Sunshine, never really saw it as a problem unless you get caught by one of those flipper things and you lose a lot of your health. Like, it wasn't really much of an issue. But here, like, you kind of look forward to seeing that power up hidden away that doubles your health because you know that a boss is coming. And that's weird for me to say that because I don't normally like bosses, but mm. with three bits of health or maybe six and then a boss battle, you know that you're going to, you're in for a good fight because, you know, it's, it's a Mario Galaxy game and the, the, the bosses that I've played thus far have been really well done. Um, mm. so the, it kind of puts a kind of a good tension on the, on the fight. I imagine if you had eight bits of health, it, it maybe it would have removed something, but again, they would have designed it differently. I, th- I think a stroke of genius on their part was uh, attaching uh, the health to the coins. And the best way to get coins is to attack enemies, jump on enemies. Mm. So you'd be down to one bar of health. And one of the best ways to uh, get that health back up again is to engage the enemy. So there was this really nice like risk-reward thing there where, okay, if I screw this up, I have to start the whole level again. But if I get this right, then I'm prepared for the next next encounter and not only that but of course that among the pretty large and varied menagerie of enemies there are multiple ways of tackling each one they've all got their own behaviors their own patterns that you can very much learn but you can also manipulate them whether it be um by simply you know running around them and making them face the wrong way or or spin spin spinning them in the back or shooting them first with a star bit and then finishing them off but of course you get different rewards depending mm-hmm. on how you deal with them so yeah. kill them some ways you get star bits which don't save your life um although they might prolong it um or if you do the more traditional stomp you you can get a coin but of course as ever you know these backdrops are absolutely stuffed with uh, twitching plants and little rings of stones and um and mysterious footprints in the sand and so many of these things result in more star bits or coins by interacting with them um there's no sort of wide expanses of nothingness in this game even though that some of these levels are huge and they're, they're all intricate and full of tunnels and full of enemies and full of things to see and do the the yeah, the help like it's never really been a thing in my mind again that's probably down to the game being so well crafted is that I never really saw the health meters reduction in hit points as a problem or or a positive I never really saw it as a thing to think about it was just there and I was like oh, okay I've got three bits of health now I never really I never really thought about games before giving me more health because it just felt 
finely balanced. You know, it never felt like a problem. Like, oh, I keep dying because I've only got three bits of health. It never felt like that. It always felt like the game was giving me a good enough challenge, you know, for me to lose health, but also the opportunity to gain health just as e- just as easily, just as fairly. You know, it, it never mm. it never felt cheap in its um in its killing of me. The levels themselves, um, we've already sort of talked about that there's a lot of them, I'd say, and there's a lot of um, variety in there. Um, it's hard to actually sort of express in words without, you know, without having a list of them in front of me, which I could easily do, um, just how sort of much stuff there is to see and do in this. Now, I know a lot of people who played uh, 3D World on, on the Wii U recently, um, I saw a lot of tweets and comments from people saying you know just the the level and the amount of invention imagination in that game is incredible Uh, i mean uh, that absolutely goes for galaxy as well for me just probably even more so because 3d world is probably more constricted by its uh by its nature by its camera and by the fact that they decided to make it playable with four people and all that sort of thing galaxy is just a riot of invention there are just think of a kind of configuration of platforms or levels or you know there are t- there are 2d sections where the where the camera kind of pulls back there are and there are, there are bits where you go underneath things there are there are tests of jumping precision there are tests of combat ag- agility but this will all be just in tiny little segments all disguised as mario gameplay and this is why for those of us who love mario this is what we get about it isn't it it's not just Here's Mario collecting coins, completing mm. levels. There's so much gameplay in these games. Like people kept criticizing Nintendo for making Mario games over and over and over again, but I think I said something like, "It's not the it's not the the label that pulls me in. It's the genius yeah. within the lab, you know, within the worlds of those levels that actually gets me excited." Like if Nintendo made another a new IP and they had all these ideas, that'd be great. But they just see it as an opportunity just to sort of just create a whole bunch of excellent levels regardless of what IPs on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said on Twitter once that Nintendo innovate with mechanics rather than franchises. Mm. Like they they always innovate within the brands that they have. And I think Mario's probably the best example of that. Even though yes there are just, you know, all these Mario games and from just like a you know a setup kind of point of view, they're almost exactly the same. Princess Peach gets captured. You have to defeat Bowser. Blah 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 blah. But the journey, you know, the journey <laughs> to get to that is different every single time. And Mario Galaxy, just some of the levels in this ga- this game are just insanely creative. Just and the fact and. We're probably, you, we're probably gonna say this again and again with these Mario games, but the fact that they never overuse an idea. You, you always see it, uh, like twice or three times and then that's it. They never over, they never overuse a mechanic. Mm. They introduce it, you might get to play about with it again later on, but then that's it and they move on to something else. Mm. And it, and the fact that they can come up with all this stuff in one game, is crazy to me. I don't know how they do it every single time. Mm, and people say like, and I kind of agree that Galaxy Two is an expansion pack to Galaxy One. That that's just incredible that they had too many ideas. They had to make a sequel because Mario games don't traditionally get a sequel, do they? They're sixty four on its own, Sunshine on its own. So this was kind of like the first home console three D Mario game to have a sequel. And I was like, oh, mm. I must admit, a bit skeptical. But then you know, it literally was just like 
oh, they had too many ideas for Galaxy, so fair enough, make make another one. Uh, there's some really crazy things that the game does, like, I said it earlier on, but the game's not afraid to be what it is. You know, it's a game set in space, so they mess around with gravity, they, they mess around with sort of camera perspectives. And I was mm. playing a level recently, uh, this morning actually, in, uh, I'm jumping ahead, but it's quite hard not to blur the two together in Galaxy, no, in Galaxy cool. 2. It was, it, it was the ghost house levels. And I, mm. I always like the ghost house levels because you know they're going to mess with you in some weird way. But in this one, it kind of did a bit of an inception on me where the whole sort of level was bending around me. You know, like that bit mm. of inception mm. where he looks yeah. up and they all sit. Yeah. It was like that. And I just totally forgot that existed. And, but the way it handles it, the way it deals with you know the camera and the and the way the level sort of bends around, it was just so flawless that it just made me go, oh god, this game's just just stunning. And but then while you're marveling at its beauty, you don't feel like you're out of control. You always feel like you're in it. And but and while the camera's bending and shifting around you, you kind of feel just like you know perfectly in control and a slack jawed at the same time. Traditionally, in Mario games, you hit bosses three times, and there's certainly some of that going on. But um, you're introduced to one of the bosses from Galaxy very, very early on, and it introduces uh, a few concepts in one go, the very first boss, doesn't it? It's it, it, He's wandering around a sphere, a small sphere, mm. um, and you have to spin attack his tail, and his tail automatically kind of flies up in the air and smashes him over the head until he's a kind of big P.T. Piranha-type enemy, um, but in space. But again, just everything about the the feel of it, um, the level of challenge and the sort of ideas of it. And as I say, mainly for me, the bosses in this game, they've all got, you know, good logical uh, and doable challenges that generally revolve around hitting them a certain number of times. Um, But they're deeply satisfying to complete. Uh, unlike the bosses in so many games, and the animation on the on the big monsters in this game is is again coming back Disney. It's it's you know I remember we said about Super Mario sixty four at the time we said cartoon quality graphics. Well, yeah, it actually took another you know another ten years or whatever because some of the animation on on these uh, on these characters in this game are just yeah it's just out of this world. Pardon the pun. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot how many bosses there were in both of the games. I think the Galaxy two has more bosses. Um, but I just kind of forgot how many there were, and it was kind of weird to go like, oh, it, yeah, it's another boss, it's another mole man, and it never bothered me. They, they never, they never interrupted mm. the gameplay flow. It was always just like, and I kind of like how they're all vaguely familiar enough between each boss fight. You, you kind of know that they're going to run around a sphere, and then you hit their behind, and they kind of run in a different direction. But there, there, there is minutia to those attacks. But I kind of like the fact that the, the core concept of them are, you know, vaguely familiar. So when you have a next, you know, your next boss fight, you kind of already sort of prepared in a, in a way that you're not normally prepared for, say, like a Metroid Prime boss where, like, it, it, it kind of, you know, uses the latest ability and the same as Zelda as well. But here it's like, okay, yeah, let's have, let's have a fight. And even if it does change it up completely, like with the, the sort of the sand guy who spits cannons at you, you can't, you're mm. kind of fully aware immediately what's going to happen because the visual yeah. and audio sort of you know they, they, they work together and you know ne- you never feel out of the loop you always know the logic that you're going to be operating under if you know what mm-hmm. i'm trying to say yeah. there um and and i love the way that they manage to with, with that limitation they still manage to create such variety 
Um, there are so many memorable bosses in this game. The one I think stands out for a lot of people is the giant robot one that is actually the size of the planet it's standing <laughs> on. Mm. And you have to run up its legs and stuff like that. And uh, ultimately, it's still like, you know, sit on the, you know, stomp on, you know, this weak point mm. and blah, 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 blah. But it's so visually entertaining and so satisfying to ultimately destroy mm. that the fact that they kind of follow similar patterns all the way through the game doesn't really matter because they're just so fun to defeat. Now, if I had one criticism of Super Mario Galaxy... Actually, I have two, really. Um, neither of them are, are game-breaking. Um, as I already said, it's one of my favourite games, I think. Um, firstly, now, there are some there are some you know power-ups, as you'd expect, in this game. Um, one of the power-ups I don't think is very it just isn't right for Mario and that is the spring mushroom the one that turns him into a big yeah. giant spring yeah. now is it just me or is that too kind of it's too unreliable yeah. it feels like you don't quite get the jump 100% of the time yeah. when you want to when you want to pull it off and he flies and, off at funny angles and you kind of wish you were just playing as mario who could just jump higher you know what i mean yeah. like you'd you'd rather just have a jump upgrade than be this spring that's kind of like oh is it actually going to jump high this time <laughs> no it he just carried on moving oh now he's going to do it when i don't want him to uh yeah it 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 did feel a bit unreliable. It is it is an odd one, and I think I it makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous. Not in its visual. Well, it is a bit weird that he's wrapped up in a giant spring and stuff like that. Mm. But like, is there a, is there really any need for it when it's a platform game? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think there was a better. I, th I think even maybe just using the bee costume to fly up there instead of springing your way up there could have been a better mm. sort of answer um i do i do kind of like in a very sadistic way how uncontrollable it is now it doesn't make for a good game but it kind of i don't know i, I kind of like how wacky it is and normally that, that would really annoy me like it would be like okay i can't mm. control this but there's just something comical about it and I, it's completely removed from the game like the game actually playing as it isn't fun but the way it sort of boings around uncontrollably it it, it makes me laugh and um yeah, yeah i i just yeah, but actually, like playing as with it recently, trying to get to the top of this sort of, um, you have to bounce off these sort of rotating um, circles, and you have to get to the top yes. to grab this star. It's, rid it's mm. ridiculous. Not only have you got yeah. to try and bounce a spring off a rotating circle, like uh, multiple circles that are rotating, but yeah, you you, just, you have to press. There's a bit of lag between pressing A to spring up yeah. higher as well, and that's that's yeah. not fun. Like that, that's just actually a bit a bit of a, a mechanical fault there. Um, but, and yet it returns in Super Mario Galaxy yeah. 2, although sparingly used. I yeah, think. you know, I, I think the introduction of the, the triple jump uh, mushroom platform is a, is a much uh, needed replacement for that spring. They, they could have got rid of that spring entirely and just had that mushroom, uh, that, that cloud mushroom um, hat. I think that's a much better power-up than the spring. No, the, 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 you know, the, the, the things that I have problems with this game, yeah, they're, they're so minor, and I, I think they kind of fixed it with the sequel. But like... 
you know the luma that needs feeding that that just took forever for me to feed <laughs> it's just like yeah. oh hold B to charge oh god it goes he's cute though he is very cute and he makes it a wicked transform noise he goes transform yep. and then he just explodes it's great but actually getting to that part in Galaxy 1 is a, is a bit of a chore because it goes up in like five yeah. increments of 5 and then 10 you're like oh man yeah in the, in the next game when you when you give star bits to the bank toad it speeds up exponentially yeah. as you hold it yeah, down and I think they added that yeah yeah, I mean, there may have been other you know, minor quibbles and irritations. I mean, the, the the thing I remember the most coming on to the two, you know, the two hundred and forty-two power stars. Um, one of the, I, I think, you, I think it's seventy you need for the basic completion, including the grand three of the. Is it three grand stars to get to the the basic completion? Um, and then, of course, there's a hundred and twenty star completion. But in this case, there's actually a hundred and twenty-one stars, which you can get for each character but you have to get 120 with each first um and the luigi stars as i say are almost the same luigi controls slightly differently he is faster he jumps further and higher but he is slightly less sure of himself uh, on the ground um but there is one challenge that um i remember took me a lot a lot of lives which was uh, luigi's purple coins which is um the aforementioned disappearing tiles. So every time you touch one of these floor tiles, and it's uh, it's a big pixel map of, uh, I think it's it might be Mario when it's Mario and Luigi mm. when it's Luigi. I'm not I'm not sure, but um, you have to plan your route. And if you go back on yourself to if you don't get everything in the place that you needed to be, you're almost certainly going to plummet through the floor to die. And it's one that takes quite a bit of practice and and a lot of swearing. Um, and lives to yeah to to get the first time now once i when i did it of course like some of the uh star road and um uh what's the uh, other bit on super mario world the even harder bit oh the special stages special stages mm. yeah yeah it's very much like that in that they've, they they seem very very tough at first but the more you play them the less com- completely impossible they seem and eventually you do them and there's a great surge of relief and whatever and that when i went through it again with luigi it was it only took me a couple of goes and and by the end i was at the point where someone someone came round and i said oh god yeah there's this there's this one <laughs> there's this one um and i expected fully to fail and i just did it the first time just while i was showing you know showing how hard it was um and that that's uh you know that sort of says something for how much practices I, i'm sure there were other points but as i say my, my gameplay experience of this was playing it non-stop for two to three weeks doing everything more than once and uh, and getting all the stars certainly there was nothing that really halted my progress in any meaningful way did it uh, am i the only one who went the full hundred you know 200 yards on this one 242 power star yards yeah uh, yeah the, the furthest i got in mario galaxy one was a uh, 120 stars and then Luigi and then recently I finished it as Luigi but I didn't get all the stars as Luigi uh, which is quite weird for me uh, it, it, I, I even acknowledge it as like a, as a as a weird thing in my I, I should do that but then when, I, when it comes around to doing it I just think I just I, know, I can't be bothered and I, I don't know why I, I don't know if it's my mentality has changed for completely rinsing games like that because like if that was me like back 10 years ago I would have done that five yeah. times over you know and um yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, I will probably get around to it one day. I think I'll, I'll, I'll have like a, a Josh mentality to the the games. Like I'll just keep playing them over the course of I don't know the next month or two. Now that I've actually started it again, because um, it is actually you know, a, a really fun thing to do as Luigi. It kind of 
puts you a bit on edge when he's slipping towards an edge and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just never really saw it as a thing I must do. Um, no, I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it was by its very nature repetitive mm. doing it all again, but I just had such an amazing mm. time playing it through the first yeah. time. I was fine with that. Yes, and of course you get extra uh, pictures posted to your Wii message board, which was a feature that everyone was crazy about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there are there are secrets to be seen, but obviously, yes, uh, the extended ending can probably be viewed on YouTube, I would imagine. That is an ending. <laughs> it's not listed in the notes, but that is that is a crazy ass ending if there ever was one, especially for a Mario game. Isn't doesn't like yeah. the whole galaxy get sucked into the uni- into like a black hole? I, I, I seem to recall that happening, and um, and it sort of starts all over again. I, I, uh, is that all right saying that? Because uh, I seem to remember defeat, defeating Bowser, and like he gets destroyed in a giant black hole, and it is yeah. it is like like we mentioned earlier, it is a really dark tone for an ending, and it's um, mm. yeah, it's, it's quite unlike any other Mario game. But I kind of like it's probably. I was probably hammering through to start again. Unusually, this one got a, a sort of straight sequel. Super Mario Galaxy 2 arrived in uh, the summer of 2010. Um, now, I was uh, this was by this time I was ordering games off the internet, um, and uh, back then Shop 2 were, were the, the ones to use if you wanted your game early. Mm. Uh, I think it may have been the first ever game I ordered off Shop 2 actually, and true true to form, back then it arrived on the Wednesday, um, and that was cool. Uh, so I played it pretty much non-stop at the exclusion of anything mm-hmm. else for about a fortnight until I'd got all 120 stars with Mario. And then, as I said earlier, uh, after that, rather than just play the whole game through again, it opens up uh, a sort of new challenge. Prankster Comets offering totally separate green stars 
um, but they're not earned in the same way as the uh, as the main power stars in the game. Now, we'll come on to that, but um, for whatever reason, at that point, I slowed right down and eventually got distracted by other things. But I am still, I'm now up to almost 200, um, having been back, and uh, you know, it's been a good excuse to go back, but actually carry on making some progress for this this podcast. But um, I have slightly different feelings about Super Mario Galaxy 2 overall, so we'll come on to that. But that's that's my history. Darren, what about you? Uh, pretty much the same as the first one. I, you know, I, I borrowed the same Wii that I used for Galaxy 1. Uh, took a couple of days off work, you know, booked holiday for it because, you know, Galaxy 1 was yeah. so incredible. How can Galaxy 2 disappoint? And played it like non-stop. Uh, I really do games do this. Recently, GTA 5 have done this to me, like, but I will just sit there. Like, like you say, mm-hmm. the exclusion of anything, like, just play it. And when you're not playing it, when there are moments when you're not playing it, you just want to play it again. And you kind of, it's, it's great to have that game. Like, it, those games, they come around very rarely for me recently, because, you know, like, the, the way shooters are nowadays are, aren't my kind of shooters. But when a game comes out that I know that I'm just going to sit there for ages and play, I, I really relish it. And, uh, Mario Galaxy 2 was that game. Yeah, um, unlike the other, uh, the uh, first one, uh, I bought this on release, and also unlike the first one, I kind of caned and rinsed it uh, quite quickly. Um, I got through it in about two weeks, I think. Um, yeah, I, for whatever reason, um, not much must have been going on that at that time. But um, yeah, I just yeah, I got stuck in and. Uh, and kind of ignored the rest of the world for two weeks. Yeah. Wonderful. So it's a slightly different team on this game. Uh, I'd never really clocked this, but now my feelings on the game, uh, which aren't greatly negative, by the way, but uh, the, the fact that it feels slightly different to me makes more sense when you look that the director was a different person. Mm. Uh, Koizumi was uh, supplanted by Koichi Hayashita, and... Uh, Koizumi moved up to a producer role. Miyamoto is not involved at all in this one, um, but uh, well, he's probably got some sort of credit, but he's not got a producer credit. Um, but Takashi Tezuka returns, who was a producer on, you know, and uh, creator on a lot of the earlier ones that we talked about. Um, and as well as uh, Koji Kondo and Mahito Yokata, uh, and a third composer was added to the mix in Ryo Nagamatsu. Um, overall, the game sold 5 million fewer than Super Mario Galaxy 1. Now, I don't know exactly why that is. I guess people just thought, eh, it's more of, more of the same, or they never finished the first one, or people had moved on to... Even some of those who had bought a Wii had moved on to HD consoles by this point. I, but um, I yeah. think they skewed the accessibility the wrong right way around. Uh, I think they made Mac Galaxy 1, like I said earlier, a bit too confusing for the 11 million market. Uh, whereas with, with the yeah. sequel, they gave you a tutorial DVD, but it's the sequel. You know what I mean? Like People have already played the first one. <laughs> Why are you teaching me to play it with a patronising DVD in the sequel? Like you, You've got it the wrong way around there, Nintendo. Like How about... Like isn't in Galaxy Two, they, the the hub isn't a hub anymore. It's kind of like a level select. Well, it is a level yeah. select. Like, how about they 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 do that first? Like, you need to ease people into it, and I think they they totally got it the wrong way around on this one. I wonder if uh, you know they were hoping that regardless of the title, people would just think, oh, okay, I can come in at this one. So famously, uh, you look at the box for the first game, and uh, Mario's flying through the vastness of space. 
it's dark. Um, he's on his own. I mean, he's happy, you know, mm. he's smiling and whatever. But everything about the sequel uh, was sort of made friendlier. Mm. So the box, the box art is several shades of blue lighter. <laughs> Um, Yoshi's there gridding his little face off obviously Yoshi's back in the game there's a big floating Mario head instead of a nameless planet um, and as you say tutorial DVD included um, mine is still sealed yeah. I've never never unpopped that <laughs> have you ever watched it have I, you ever seen it on no no I've never oh, had it's the most patronising thing um, yeah like, right it took about three minutes to explain how to tilt the analogue stick in different directions uh, oh crikey. yeah it's really it's really laborious and it, I watched it on YouTube earlier. It was doing my head in. If, if you were somebody... I mean, it's hard for us to know because we're lifelong hardcore gamers and there's no doubt about it. But if you were somebody like, uh, you know, somebody who hadn't really ever got into games but wanted to play Mario with their kids, you know, would it be something that might help drag people in as Nintendo obviously helped it with? I, 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 it I don't know. Like, you know, my, back, my background's from QA, so I kind of have to look at things accessibility wise like because mm. i used to QA uh, kids game so like accessibility was my thing for a little while it's like right, like, right you know these stylist games where you're going crazy track and field style on a stylist like these games are for three-year-olds so i kind of have yeah. a, a basic concept of how these games should be you know kind of accessible to people i just think they got it completely wrong and it's on a dvd where the wii doesn't play dvds like that's the third thing i was going to do as an adult <laughs> i would put the dvd <laughs> yeah. in the wii to see how to play the game that i bought the game before it won't work like yeah. you'll have to you no. have to turn on a different box and i think just <laughs> i don't know that the idea was there but i think they just executed it wrongly why not have a video on the game disc that just sort of pops in while you're playing yeah. the game like a dvd is just an odd thing and it's 28 minutes long which wow yeah, i never even knew and that it kind of skews from patronizing like press a to jump you're like, yeah, yeah. Press, hold A to jump. You're like, all right, yeah, it takes two minutes to explain that. That's great. But then at the end, they're giving you like the most ridiculous challenges, like challenge one. <laughs> Try a triple backflip and then flip over the bowser. And you're like, oh, I'm not doing that. I've just learned how to play the game. Like, it's, it's such a weird contrast that they've done on that DVD. And, um, wow. I, yeah, if, if you're interested, just skim through it on YouTube because it's, it's the weirdest thing. Like, it's quite weird to hear this super serious, like, you know, the Wii audience is all very, like, the adverts were very sort of, clinical they're really like clear and clean and family yeah, friendly yeah. so you've got this lady like press a to jump on the goomba you're like this is like <laughs> a like a you know a mature lady saying the word goomba press b to do a hujama flip you're like all right this just sounds really weird like you kind of expect charles martinet to be telling you not some some serious that might lady. have been an idea yeah oh, well, well Obviously, yes. At some point, it seemed like a good idea, but the game sold five million fewer, not five million more. So, mm. um, but it did introduce uh, certain things, or or brought in things from other games. In the case of Midway Flags, which had been used in uh, New Super Mario mm. Brothers and and New Super Mario Brothers Wii, I think they came into Galaxy for the first time. I think in two. Am I right? In yeah, I, I don't recall seeing them in one. Um, I yeah, and Ghost Guides as well. Um, I don't think it has the things we expect now so much, such as uh, in 3D Land of World, where we have these power-ups that, um, you know, if you fail a level enough times, you get power-ups, which basically make it incredibly difficult to fail. Um, it wasn't quite that level, but it did have, yeah, these these uh, these live sort of ghosts, um, you know, showing you 
the direction to go or things to try and stuff. Oh, like yeah, that. that's the cosmic spirit. Is that what they call it? Because uh, is it? Yeah. Okay. If you get right. the star, this is what the this is what the DVD taught me actually. If, if okay. you get the star with the cosmic spirit guiding you, it's a, it's a brown. No, it's not a brown star because that's an innuendo. It's a bronze. It's a, it's a bronze <laughs> star. Sorry. Oh yeah 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 okay. So you get a reduced, um, unlike in 3D world, which is controversial, which you don't get that you don't get any penalty for using the help. I believe um, in this one you kind of do. Mm, it's kind of like a little uh, mark, it, isn't it? It's kind of like a bit of a it'll show. Yeah, that you haven't stain. done it properly. Yeah, which I think is fair enough. Yeah, but um, they were obviously trying some stuff. Um, some of which has stuck. Some of which hasn't. Um, but as we said, he's on the box front and center, and he's back. It's Yoshi. Um, aboard the, uh, the 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 face ship, uh, Starship Mario, um, which is a much smaller and simpler hub. Although it does still have a few little nooks and crannies to explore, hmm. um, a, a little en- weird engine room place, and um, you can there's some doors which are, I assume it's after you've completed it. I can't remember now; it's so long ago. Where you can switch at will between Mario and Luigi, um, and a little place where you can nip off with Yoshi up in the sky and collect some extra lives or something like that. Um, now, Yoshi in this game uh, is, for me, uh, much more fun than he was in Sunshine because he doesn't dissolve as soon as he touches anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that's a big selling point is the fact that, you know, he's, he's easier to control. Mm. And he has a lot more things to do rather than vomit everywhere, you know. He, like, <laughs> when, you, when you eat a chilli in Galaxy 2, he kind of runs up the, the impossible hills, you know, the, the curves of the gravity levels to reach areas that you couldn't on your and own. And across the surface of water. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, he's definitely got a lot more going on. Like, you can eat the yellow sort of pear bulb thing and it kind of illuminates the floor beneath you in the ghost levels and stuff. There's definitely a lot more going on with Yoshi and I'm glad they sort of introduced him into a 3D game and actually used him. Yeah, I have to say, Yoshi's probably the reason why... I slightly prefer Galaxy oh, 2 okay. to Galaxy 1 because all of the Yoshi levels are really memorable and um and I I really really love all of them. Um like the, you already mentioned the chili peppers where he eats the red chili peppers and <laughs> siren he goes off run, runs up the there was this I think it's one of the earlier levels with him where he's just running up all these like wooden yeah, yeah, walls the and one, yeah. you have to avoid obstacles and then you have to use your tongue and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just I really loved all the implementa- implementations of Yoshi and it was never the same thing more than like twice I think like you know like all Mario games but just it was always whenever I saw that egg I was like yes Yoshi (laughs) another Yoshi level it's gonna be amazing I already know it's gonna be amazing (laughs) um and I I, and I think you've already said this in previous podcasts Leon I just like Yoshi as a character he's just he's so awesome and um this is kind of my first because you know look at his little shoes look at his little shoes (laughs) The Wii was was my first proper home console um, Nintendo device, so this was kind of my first proper introduction to Yoshi as well, so for this to be my introduction Hmm. to that character, uh, yeah, it it just, it kind of, um, yeah, it it secured Yoshi uh, among my favourite cartoonish characters, he's just, yeah... Not only is he a great design, it's just all the implementations in this game are really clever and really memorable. Yeah, I, I do love Yoshi, and um, 
I, as I say, I definitely prefer his implementation in this to in Sunshine. But um, I don't know. There was something about Galaxy One that it felt right that Mario was was alone. Now, I, 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 absolutely, they, they they should have brought him in, and I'm sure when when I was looking at previews for this game, rather than going, oh, more Mario Galaxy, I was going, Yoshi! <laughs> uh, even though he still doesn't make his uh, his, his classic uh, SNES noise, sadly. Um, it's gone, man. It's gone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but as regards to the wider level design, one of the most interesting things about it, I remember reading about this at the time, that um, lead programmer Takashi Hayakawa uh, created a development tool, and this is something I don't believe that Nintendo had ever done before, um, that allowed different staff members, including you know graphics people, sound people, uh, and anyone else around working on the game, and possibly some even even people who weren't, but maybe had an interest, I don't know, um, to easily design and create stages uh, themselves. So not having to wait for the, the coding team um, but actually just to come up with playable concepts for, for stages. Um, and apparently a lot of these were used in the final game. Now, I think that's a fantastic idea. And, you know, overall, I think individually to, in terms of being fun to play, Super Mario Galaxy 2's levels are uh, are terrific. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed them. And I, and I raced through to 120 stars. However, I think as a, as a set... The game feels more bitty, more piecemeal than Galaxy 1, which feels to me incredibly coherent and cohesive. And that ties together, I think. I think the levels, you say, you know, that they're, um, they're created by a lot of different people and probably people who aren't experienced level designers. Um, you know, it's like a musician isn't going to make levels all day because he's making music. And I yeah. think you, as much as I like, pretty much all the levels in this game you can definitely tell a, a, a minor dip in quality because like galaxy one levels they kind of feel open they kind of feel big grand whereas some levels in this they can't they feel a bit more focused a, a lot less grand yeah. in scope you know so like mm. a, a whole level will be 2d for example and you know that's not a knock on the the perspective or the you know or whatever but it kind of feels kind of less than scaled down yeah yeah and then mm. I think that's definitely noticeable in Galaxy 2. I, d I don't know if I necessarily agree. There certainly are levels like that that are scaled mm. down, but I think there are also a lot of levels that capture much of the scale and, and, and majest you know, majestic quality that the first game had. I, I just think this game tends to experiment with some smaller ideas as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I, I just, I, th I think it just bothers me less than you. It's think, certainly not a, 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 yeah, it's not a huge concern, but oh, no, it does lend so. it, like, with, with that simpler hub, the level select and, and everything, it does have, to me, it does have the feel of a sort of data disc set rather mm. than a full blown sequel. Now, if somebody had said when I was playing Galaxy 1, do you fancy a, a really massive level set disc for this game <laughs> at full price? I'd have said, Oh yes, and and absolutely. Um, but it's just that it for me it just the overall feel of the whole piece isn't. Maybe it's partly just because it's not the first one, but it doesn't feel quite as special to me. In Galaxy One, when you set off in these in the cannon stars that launched you into space, it kind of felt like in Galaxy One there were more 
branches to spin off into. Like you, yeah. you could um, you could sort of create a blue arc by going down a different corridor, like a space corridor. But in mm. Galaxy Two, it kind of felt like he flew onto this level, and you know he will go onto other planets via these cannon stars. I don't know the official term for him, but I kind of felt that there was less flexibility for Mario to branch off into different directions, and I think that's what I mean by focused. It, it, it kind of felt. Uh, not linear but again like more directed in one way whereas in galaxy I, uh, there were times in galaxy one where i felt a bit overwhelmed in where to go i was like well i've been down that way i remember mm. looking around in first person thinking well there's a blue arc over there i've definitely been over there where's a cannon star that hasn't got a blue arc you know a trail behind it because that, that was kind of my visual re- representation of where i've been already because there was a blue mm. stream of where mario right. had been but i think in galaxy 2 there was there was less of that and i kind of the exploration side to Galaxy was kind of scaled down. Yeah, I mean, the, it's interesting. Uh, Josh has already said that he slightly prefers Galaxy Two, and that's absolutely cool. But I, and and the, the the thing I find weird is normally I would say that particularly for a Mario game, we've already said how unimportant the plot and the and the character is and all that sort of thing. I would say that anything which serves ideas and gameplay would be preferable. And yet, I find myself with some slight contradiction to that saying that I actually preferred the way that Galaxy was this kind of cohesive whole that felt like some sort of fairy tale space epic rather than what Galaxy 2 feels like to me which is a bunch of uh, admittedly wonderful <laughs> levels all mm. just kind of slapped together um, made from ideas that weren't used in the first game and the ideas of people who had played the first game normally I would expect to actually think well that's exactly you know that serves the game best but there's something i think it's that combination of that with things like i know it seems like a minor thing but the lighter blue skies and this and the simplified level hub it just never felt to me as as epic and like it was this huge you know i know i mean it took almost as long to make you know it was it was three years but galaxy just felt like such a Maybe it is contextual as much as anything. It just after the disappointment of sunshine, I had to wait how many years, four or five years, and then suddenly this game came out that was in no way a disappointment. It was, you know, it, if any, you know, quite the reverse. It, as good as I was expecting it to be, it was, it was, it surpassed anything I expected. Whereas Galaxy Two is probably about as good as I expected it to be, which is to say, ex- exceptionally good. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of weird arguing about the the finer points the the tinier points of the two games because you know ultimately they're just well you know they're, they're, they are future classics well that's what we do here though isn't it indeed uh so once again uh i think you can complete it after 70 but i, I never had you know i probably did but i never had any intention of stopping there so i went to the 120 and then this is where the game changes it up slightly um Instead of making you just play the basically the same game again with Luigi, this opens up the Prankster Comet uh, stars, which are brand new things to collect. In each, every each and every level has uh, two or three of these green stars. Now the difference here is that these are generally kind of they'll either be a test of your knowledge of the level or your skill at jumping, or there'll be a sort of puzzle like where to you where to unlock this or find this power up and where to use it and things like that. Um, now, as I say, this didn't, interestingly, although this didn't compel me to ru- rush through and do the whole thing at that point, I've been playing it on and off ever since, and I still really enjoy it. Um, but 
I'm still not even up to the 200. Whether I'll ever get the 240, uh, how many is 240 odd done? Yeah, there's two more after that, which we'll talk about. I don't know. Um, now, some of them do seem a little kind of just, some of them seem just a little stuck there. You know, this this will be hard to find. This will be hard to jump to. But some of them are really, I th- think they're really, really clever and they really add a lot to the replayability of the level. And it's, you know, like going back to Throwback Galaxy, which is a new one to this, which is includes glorious um, remakes of N64 levels and stuff like that. Mm. It's like, oh, yes. And I did <laughs> I did those prankster comments immediately just because I wanted any excuse to go back and do something new in these levels. But I will admit that some of them are quite, you know, they're, they're quite testy and they just, you know, some of them, like, you've got no real clue of where they're going to be. So you do a lot of kind of explorational jumping into space and leaps of faith and stuff. And so it's, I'm not 100% convinced, but in a way, isn't it better than doing mm. just the same stars again? Darren, I know you're not so keen. It's not that I'm not keen. Like, the idea of having a whole new set of stars is is brilliant. It's 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 the little things that get in the way for me. That it, the first problem I had with it was that it kind of treats you like an idiot every time you go to do one. It gives you that little three second alarm noise, like whip <laughs> Like okay, I I get it. I know there's a green star. I I understand the the severe. I've played twenty hours of this game so far. Like it's, it's like when you play Animal Crossing, it kind of does a similar thing where it repeats these little things. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of it's too slow for its own good. And I, th- I think if if you're gonna be that guy who plays another twenty hours of Green Star gameplay, it kind of needs to just get to it, like go go go. Yeah, it kind of yeah, needs yeah. to be firing on all cylinders because otherwise, it, you know, it, 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 it slows the game down. It bogs you down with things that doesn't need to be there. And I know again, it's only a three second noise, but when you're doing that for every star, it kind of it it really does my head in. <laughs> um, right. And the other thing, like the actual placements of the stars, is actually I quite like the idea of it. But I, I find I, I don't know what's going on with me lately. But I, I feel like my, my patience for that kind of stuff is is wearing thin, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of feels Fez esque in a way. You know, like you are just like just, just sort of gleefully wandering through these levels, just sort of like, oh, there's a green star up there. How do I get that? But I don't know. There's something about them where they they kind of feel a bit too arbitrary placed. Whereas a game like Fez with its cube bits, they all feel you know perfectly put there. Whereas these were kind of felt like they had a level editor. And they, they plot the green star on the edge of space for you to jump into. And, you know, maybe you get it, maybe you won't. Trial and error. And you're like, ah. Oh. And then, but like, w- when you die, you know, um, you, you, it kind of, kind of like sours you a little bit because you weren't entirely convinced. Like, there's one in Bowser's Castle that I just tried getting to over and over and over again. I kept falling off and dying. I couldn't work out exactly how to get there. And rather than, force my way through these bits i kind of just mm. thought i'm not gonna sour my experience of it and right i just thought i just left it and i've tried i've got to about 20 and i just thought oh no and i, I love the idea of it like imagine super mario 64 where there was another 120 stars lurking around the castle like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah it'd be genius yeah i think the chat having been back to do some of the extra challenges in the more recent 3d world where there's kind of there's slightly more to it. There's a bit more puzzle element, mm. and 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 again, that sort of level knowledge stuff comes into it. But I, I think they've probably improved on that. But as I say, it's it's entirely optional. I mean, there's obviously as an improved end sequence and and two two extra levels. Josh, did you attempt this green star nonsense? Um, no, I didn't. Um, uh, just because I don't know. It, it's kind of the way I play Mario games. I kind of go for the 
the regular stars and then I go, yeah, that's that's enough Mario for me. And it's only really uh, 3D Land on the 3DS where I go for everything. Mm. And that's mainly because it's a portable game and I kind of, you know, when I'm on the train or something like that, oh, I'll go for these wacky, wacky coins, mm. you know, in the alternate world. But, um, yeah, with with both Galaxy games, actually, I kind of just stick with the regular stars and go, yeah, that's enough for me. And... It seems weird saying that, considering how much I love these games. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so un- I believe uh, getting all uh, all of the green stars then unlocks Grandmaster Galaxy, which uh, features a test which um, at the time I-, I watched a video of and I thought looked like the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. But I watched the videos again today. There's two versions of it. There's the ultimate test and then there's the perfect run, which is an ever so slightly remixed version, but where you're not allowed to take any hits. Mm. Um, and I thought that doing that like I think one of the reasons that slowed me down on the green stars was I was thinking, well, I'm going to get to that and then I'm never going to be able to do it. <laughs> but actually, watching it today, I don't think it's completely beyond me. Um, my my game playing hasn't got that much worse as I've got older. In some cases, I think I've even got better just by not getting as het up about it. Um, but I do know that, that the perfect run is considered one of the tougher challenges in Mario history. And mm. when you've played some of the special levels on uh, Super Mario World and, and other things, that's you know, saying quite something in terms of the gaming skill it requires. And yeah, um, I was watching a video playing the ultimate test version, which is, you know, where you can actually, you've got health and you can top it up again. That looks, you know, it looks quite doable. Um, it's got a few tricky jumps and a few little moments, but doing it with one hit, yes, I think, you know, that that would create uh potential for frustration but it's about it's about four and a half minutes of you know high quality 3d uh platforming with a very controllable character and uh, and not being able to take a hit um and fair play to anyone who's who's done it and maybe one day i'll maybe one day i'll join you hmm. now time's getting on um so we must deal with some correspondence from the forum let me start with electric crocosaurus who says the Galaxy games then represent the pinnacle of a series that already had its share of masterpieces. That isn't to dismiss the older games. As your podcast has shown, there is still much fun to be had with 2D games. Playing the Galaxies, though, you're struck at just how refined everything is. Mario doesn't move so quick as to be twitchy, nor so slow as to be unresponsive. The camera swoops around the 3D space, rarely feeling obtrusive. The visuals are full of glorious renditions of past icons. And the gameplay, liberated of Sir Isaac Newton's most famous discovery, allows Nintendo to jam-pack the hours of runtime with a level of invention that is gobsmacking. Katie! Uh, she says, This game is probably one of my favourite Mario games. It was very colourful and just about anything could happen. It took a while to get used to the layout slash gameplay, because every world Mario travelled to was different, but the one thing that was consistent was the fact that you could walk upside down, the map would turn upside down for you. That took some getting used to. Sometimes it could make me feel sick. Yeah, I've heard, I mean, 3D games, um, Polygon 3D, give certain people uh, motion sickness, I know. Um, but I have heard Galaxy can be particularly bad for that with with its uh, stomach-churning motions. Uh, Suzifer yeah. says... These games are probably my favourite video games of all time. When I first saw the screens of the original, I was a little worried that the play area was a bit too small. But once I started playing, I soon forgot about any doubts I had. Each stage presents the most perfect platforming challenges in any game in the genre. The music is majestic and they nailed the camera. 
When Super Mario Galaxy 2 was announced, I remember reading a lot of people claiming it to be an expensive bit of DLC. But it's really not. The game changes things up with the introduction of Yoshi and new power-ups enough to make it feel like going from Super Mario Bros. 3 to Super Mario World. Chase210 says, I received Galaxy as a birthday present and the first thing I was struck by was the look and that beautiful soundtrack. It's a perfect transition from Mario 64. The spin attack is such a handy little move. The level design is magnificent. Putting it in space where the rules of the level can change every time was genius. None of that awkward motion control stuff that blights many a Wii game. And even now, it looks great. Mario Galaxy 2, therefore, was a day one purchase, and I loved it just as much. Yoshi was fixed from his lacklustre appearance in Sunshine. I love the little callbacks to older Marios. The worlds were just as bright and colourful. The level's still incredible with just the right amount of challenge, apart from later on when it gets much harder. Of course, it's just another Mario story. Bowser kidnaps Peach, etc. But it's never about that for me. People who might complain about a bad story miss everything else about these games. The explosion of joy in these levels. The amazing and inventing power-ups. Zooming from planet to planet, collecting star bits. It's magical fantastic games roy 42 says in every conceivable way the first galaxy knocked it out of the park it looks amazing not looked looks has a beautifully orchestrated soundtrack that conveys a sense of scale that traveling across the galaxy should is packed with course after course all unique in aesthetic and plenty of fun uh, as courses in a mario game should be and most importantly for a platformer controls damn near perfectly it's iteration over the course of 10 years for Mario 64, but a brand new physics engine. They only needed try to make Mario control like you always wished he did. And like your nostalgia for the previous games would tell you that he always did. Galaxy 2 is certainly the most iterative Mario sequel to date, not counting the new games. And yet it still brings in enough new gameplay features to keep things fresh. And adds up the challenge to a satisfying degree as well. The hardest part is making a lot of the levels feel unique and exciting despite most of them being similarly themed as the levels from Galaxy 1, and I think it pulls it off far better than a lot of other platformers faced with these challenges do. What you end up with is a game so tightly packed full of excellent gameplay that it's every bit as good as the first game, something that I think is too easily taken for granted. The only real problem I have with Galaxy games is the one that I brought up about Sunshine. 64 managed to get a great balance of having structured linearity and levels, while also being playgrounds for the player to explore, not restricting them to getting just the star they had picked from the course intro screen most of the time. Sunshine makes its com levels completely linear, where you have to take each star in turn and can't deviate from what you've selected, and the galaxies do this as well. From how grand and epic it, it looks to fly from distant planetoid to distant planetoid, you're only ever going down a single path. Sometimes I just want to fully explore these beautifully classed worlds, I want there to be planetoids that you don't need to go to to get the star. I want to be able to go to a different direction and get the second star before the first one. But that's not the game that's been made, and to criticise it for not holding into a design decision of a previous game would be ignorant of me. Super Mario Galaxies are, th are fantastic 3D representations of classic Mario left to right gameplay, the first in particular a masterclass to get masterclass of game design that is able to stand next to Mario 64 as its equal. Just one year into the Wii's life cycle, Nintendo put out an instant classic that's almost faultless and made it look easy. Yeah, while I would agree with um, Roy about the perhaps it does sometimes feel a little restricted given the subject matter in terms of exploration when compared to certainly Super Mario 64, 
I do have a recollection. Now, I know that with the green stars, you certainly can collect them out of order because they're all, I think they're all there at the same time. Mm. But I do have a recollection that at least some of the stars could be collected out of order by the, a choice of routes on certain levels or activating certain things. Now, Roy absolutely knows his stuff and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I, like, even when I've been back collecting green stars, I've noticed that there seems to be in certain places more than one a star available at one time. Sometimes there'll be a mini game that you can play to win a star for a power mm. star, for instance, yeah. that is just part of another level. So I don't think it's quite as absolutely clear cut linear as that. But um, but yeah, certainly it's not like uh, it's not quite as free form, I suppose, as as sixty four could be in certain areas where you almost you had a choice of maybe two or three at one time. Oh. Okay, uh, Sinclair Gregstrom says, Super Mario Galaxy holds some of my favourite gaming memories. A wonderful concept, beautifully realised with pitch-perfect gameplay that, despite its relative recency, gives me the warm, fuzzy, nostalgia buzz that is generally reserved for games of my youth. Glorious imagination hits you at every turn on every level, with more ideas on one stage than some games have in their entire length. The game is also an audio-visual treat, with my favourite ever Mario soundscape of tunes and effects coupled with visuals that, despite the modest power of the Wii, have a timeless quality that shines through to this day, over six years after release, and will for many years to come. I must confess that I've not actually got round to playing Galaxy 2, despite owning a copy since release. This may sound obtuse, but I actually fell in love with the first game so much that I've almost been nervous to try the second, and I've always found excuses not to get stuck in. Whether I'll ever get round to it now is questionable, given the number of uh, new platforms, games and other demands in life in general. But my memory of the original Super Mario Galaxy is so sweet that I'm happy to live with that as my last experience of the series and not worry too much about what I've missed. That's a really, I, I do know that thing. I can't think of other examples that it's happened to me, but I do know that, that feeling where you're almost worried to try a sequel in case it, mm. it dampens. Um, what I would say is I'd definitely say it's still worth playing Galaxy 2 regardless of the fact that it's four years old and on, on a, you know, on an older console. If you loved the first one that much, I don't think you'll be too disappointed and i speak as somebody who does prefer the first one for the reasons i've mentioned but um but yes i do know i do know where he's coming from but it, it would seem a shame for somebody who loved the first so much to miss out on so much of the, so much of those so many of those fantastic levels and, and ideas finally a new correspondent from the forum welcome busker lily who says these are games which transcend consoles and generations development teams fandoms and debates Galaxy has the most perfect controls, a direct link between player and plumber, which has not been surpassed. It has physics which make perfect sense no matter how insane and incredible the situations Nintendo invents. Super Mario Galaxy even defies attempts to fit into its own series, Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine, before it featured vast levels and hubs with an emphasis on exploration and figuring out how to get stars and shines. 3D's Land and World after it featured linear assault courses more akin to the earlier 2D games. Yet somehow Galaxy is a perfect amalgamation of the two different series. It defiles the very laws of space and time. It was fun, revolutionary, innovative and constantly inventive. It defines Nintendo. As for Galaxy 2, it feels less like a series and more like the first game simply continued on for another disc. Which was no bad thing. 
Thanks, everybody, for your correspondence and your contributions via the forum. And also for your three-word reviews of the Galaxy Experience from Twitter, starting with Frozen Treasure, who says, Quintessential Platforming Experience. And we have a Joey Hamilton saying, Pure Intergalactic Fun. John Lloyd says, Galaxies of Joy. Trillium H. Macy, good name, says, Perfect Series Reinvention. And we have Stephen Thompson-Jones saying, Left Me Cold. Yes, on that, just briefly. Mm. Um, because, as I say, some people like it when we represent the other feeling. And it just goes to show that no matter how well-loved any game is, there are always people out there who don't, who don't like it. Now, Stephen has told me before that he just didn't click with this game for whatever reason. But he's also, I know, Carl from Kane and Rince never really loved the Galaxy games as much as he as much as he's a Mario fan. Um, Gary Blower from Game Burst tried and tried and tried again to get into the Galaxy and it just didn't click for him. Now, our correspondence is I, you know, I hope overall in terms of percentage is representative and I'm sorry for those of us, those of you listeners who like us to have an argument about things uh, it's not going to happen on this one um, as it hasn't really on any of the Mario podcasts. But, um, but yeah, just because of all that praise, all that love for these games, all, the, all those high review scores, there are of course people out there who just don't enjoy them. Okay, Mike Dixon says Wii's killer game. Electric Skeleton says real lovely like. That's a great name. Uh, Shioni Boy says um, still playing it. Cool. Mark Blackwell says great family fun. Nice. Ryan Astley says revolutionised platform genre. Uh, Sinclair Greg Greg Strummer says, my favourite Mario. And Tat Sun says, Mario in space. Uh, so let us summarise. I think you've got a general sense, um, but uh, let's briefly gather our thoughts. Josh. There are a few games that I think are kind of the gold standard for whatever genre they're in. I mentioned on the Mark of the Ninja podcast I kind of consider that game to be the gold standard for stealth games, and anyone making stealth games should play that game and and reference it. Uh, I I think Galaxy One and Two are kind of my favourite 3D platformers, and, and mainly because they get so much right and so few things wrong. Um, I slightly prefer Mario Galaxy Two, but I think they're kind of both equal in terms of quality um really and and the only reason i prefer to is mainly for subjective reasons uh yoshi really i'll, <laughs> I'll be honest um i really really like yoshi in uh, mario galaxy 2 but the the imagination in both of these games just all the level designs and all the different you know applications for what it could be simply summed up as a plumber who jumps a lot, you know, just the the different scenarios they put that character in with, you know, the limitations that they have for that character is amazing. Just the amount of different scenarios they can create is, it impresses me no end. Also, it's just an audio visual feast. Um, the music is fantastic. I think it I think it's it's been mentioned in the comments, but I think it is the best in the series, for me at least. Um, it, it's my favourite uh, music in the series. And I think the art design in, in these two games, while I think Mario 3D World looks really good and, and the the HD resolution helps a lot, I, I for some reason I, 
I think I slightly prefer the art in these two games, despite the lower resolution. Mm. Um, I, I just think there's something a little bit special about the way these two games look that um, they haven't managed to recapture. Um, yeah, and, and and they haven't aged a day. So I urge anyone who has a Wii or a Wii U to uh, pick these games up immediately because I think they're essential. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I've said on many a podcast um, pre- previous to Kane and Rince, probably other issues of Kane and Rince, um, and certainly other people's shows that uh, Super Mario Galaxy is one of my favourite video games of all time. Um, I love the Mario series as a whole, uh, with you know, with a couple of sl- uh, games that sit slightly lower down in my estimation from that series. Uh, Galaxy. Just I, not only do I remember it as one of the fondest gaming experiences I've ever had in my yeah, thirty-five plus years of gaming, but I also uh, remember it as just fondly as you know a, a fantastic few weeks of life playing that game. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, I consider you know completing it properly one of my uh, great gaming accomplishments. Not just not just because of how difficult it was or wasn't, just because. Of the way it happened, just that, just desire to plow on through, even when you know. Of course, it's a Mario game. Occasionally, you swear at it and you fall through the floor, and you feel like you don't want to play anymore for a minute. Um, just the way that happened, um, the atmosphere of the first Galaxy, especially for me, is unparalleled. the The soundtrack is stellar, pardon the pun. Um, the visuals are utterly sumptuous, and yes, despite their lower resolution than that which we might to which we might be accustomed currently uh still look absolutely splendid to me um and as i say for whatever reason whether it's the different producer whether it's the slightly different philosophy whether it's the um whether it's the fact that they've made it more accessible galaxy 2 doesn't quite sit on my epic shelf in its own right as galaxy might however as a data set a level set a continuation of galaxy one it's still one of you know the most brilliant video games that i can remember playing um and i'm still playing it and also you could say on one level that with the green stars if you get into that if you're into the idea of those sorts of challenges it's actually a bigger and and more comprehensive experience than the first galaxy because you you don't have to just basically play the same game through twice to finish it um, so yeah, just sensationally good and yeah, pretty seemingly pretty ageless at this point. And, um, despite everything I love about them, there's not to say that an HD version wouldn't, you know, would go amiss because if they released a double pack for Wii U with, yeah, both games on fully graphicked up for the, uh, for the 1080p's, I would, uh, yes, it would be a day one purchase. No question. Darren G. Yeah, that's pretty much where I was going to start my summary is, you know, playing a game so, so big and long as Mario Galaxy. Like, those games aren't short in any stretch of the imagination. Like, they, they will last you a good 20 hours, maybe 30. And that's kind of amazing that the fact that you'd play them and then again, and then you'd probably buy a HD remake or, you know, you, you, you could play the two Galaxy games over and over and over again and not feel bad about you know, wasting time, and you know, or whatever. Like, you, you would just keep playing them. But I do feel like the sheer bonkers natures of uh, nature of being in space, I don't, I can't see them revisiting it. 
uh, you know, even if it is a HD remake or or, or, a, or a straight out sequel, I just can't see them going back to space. Sadly, um, Super Mario Universe—it's it, got to happen. But no, who knows what they'll do next? Because they're in this kind of weird situation now, where they've got 3D World, which is kind of a sequel to. Well, it is a sequel to 3D Land, which is kind of a follow-up to the Game Boy games. You know, it's another series we might do. But it's difficult to know, you know, do they just carry on that series? Do they do, you know, they can't... It feels like they can't really go backwards with Super Mario. They can't now go smaller than space. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they'll have to. I don't know. Sorry, I enjoyed <laughs> It's all right. But yeah, like going into space, it kind of blew my mind when I first saw it, uh, you know, the E3 reveal. Because when I was a kid, I always thought, well, where, where can they go beyond world? And, you know, that they actually do take it beyond uh, beyond the land of Mushroom Kingdom and, and put you into space. And they, they absolutely nail it in pretty much every aspect for, for both games for me. I, I, I really struggle to differentiate the two, even though there are, you know, um, mechanically differences between the two. Uh, you know, the overworld hub and the level design in two, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier. But ultimately, like... They they always say like your first Mario, like your first 3D Mario game is going to be your your favourite and stuff like that. But like I think with Galaxy, they they totally top themselves in terms of quality and oh, well, it's representative in the uh, the game rankings. You know overall score is number one. And I, I I never thought that a Mario game could be bettered from Mario 64. And I know that's a lot of nostalgia and. You know, fanboyism kicking in, but they they really did. Like I remember a lot of people at the time as well. Like uh, you know, on social network sites, were like, they actually made a game better than Mario sixty four. And I know we don't deal in absolutes here, but when it comes to a series that's like been running for as old as I am, and you know, uh, and that they keep making great games. You know, Sunshine's a bit of an anomaly, but they keep making great games, and that is just. That's incredible that the latest one in the 3D Mario, you know, the, the the Mario series is is the best, and it it gives me hope that the Mario series isn't going anywhere in a poor direction soon. Because, like, just look how much creativity is bursting in these two games. Like, what other ideas have they got? Like, <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what's next for the Mario series because these two games were absolutely cracking. Yes, as suspected then. A bit of a loving, but you probably knew that when you downloaded this podcast, so there you have it. Confirmed. Uh, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Darren and Josh, and to tell you that next time in issue 126, we climb back into our shells for the first of two Portal podcasts. Mm.